Well, good morning again. Before I start, I just want to say that it's been a real pleasure working alongside of all of you, and uh, just to spend this past year with my, my new church family. Um, you know, it's really been uh, a pleasure. Uh, you, all of you made me feel very welcome, and uh, goodbyes are never easy, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, if we don't meet again on this earth, let's all strive for that incorruptible crown so that we'll meet together in heaven. That's the ultimate goal, where there's not going to be any more separation. So let's bow our heads uh, with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. I thank you for blessing me this past year in Paul's Valley through the highs and the lows. Father, I ask that your will may be done. I ask that you please continue to bless this congregation, continue to work with them even more than you've worked with me. And I ask that you may bless me now as I speak, that you may help me to deliver this message, that it may be your words and not my own. Please use me as your mouthpiece, and please bless us that we all may get something from this message today. I thank you and I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Keys to success. Being a Christian is a work in progress. And the work is not going to end until Christ comes again. A lot of people confuse baptism and they think of it as a graduation. As a graduation from doing Bible studies, and then finally, once they're done with the Bible studies, they can get baptized, and it's over. That's not correct. Baptism is not the end, but is the beginning. The beginning of a new and wonderful life. It's a new start. The things that we have done in the past, and we have confessed before Christ, He has forgiven of us, uh, He has forgiven us, and... Through baptism, we start a new life with Him. Like I said, it's a work in progress. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, no ma- uh, you know, some people get baptized in their 20s, some in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and they had a whole life of sin that they now have to undo. And that's not going to happen overnight. I was baptized when I was 25, and it's, believe me, God's still working. Work in progress. We need to come before the Lord boldly, and we need to ask for help. We need to seek Him daily. And as the Bible says, ask and ye shall receive. So as I was putting this together, I came up with three keys to success. The first... Humility. Uh, Those of you who were here for last week's sermon, we talked about pride and the ten plagues of Egypt. This has a lot to do... This story just shows you how bad pride can really get. You know, it started out with Pharaoh who rejected God because he didn't know him. And even though Moses kept manifesting 
God's power through each plague and miracle, Pharaoh just continued to reject the truth. Didn't want to give in to it. Eventually that led not only him, but his entire kingdom into ruins. As we saw the scripture reading last week, Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Prideful people can't be worked with. Why is that? Could be a bunch of different things. They may think that they're better than you because of their status in society. They may think that they may know more than you because they went to some university and got a piece of paper saying that they graduated. That is not a qualification. God is looking for humility, for us to realize that we can't do anything for ourselves. Everything comes from the Lord. The Bible tells us that the wisdom of men is foolishness with God. Now, growing up, um, I was a little bit prideful. Maybe a lot of bit. Maybe I'm still a little prideful. I'm not admitting it. But, you know, there's some things where I just didn't want to confess to. I didn't want to admit it. But the more I looked at the Bible, the more I started to realize that I had a lot of imperfections that I had to deal with. And it was through the humbling of the Holy Spirit working on my heart that I started to come to the realization that, okay, Lord, I'm wrong in this uh, idea that I have. But a lot of the problem with today, with people rejecting the truth, is that they don't want to submit to it. They're content with what they grew up with. They're content with their traditions or their lifestyle. And even though the truth is plain as day in front of their face, they still do not want to submit to it. And their pride takes over. And grace is rejected. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We know the story of Lucifer, a perfect being created by God, exalted himself, 
because of his own wisdom or his own, uh, his own looks. And eventually he, he got to the point where he thought that he was better than God. And it got to the point where he was cast out of heaven, and not only him, but a third of the heavenly host. Satan would not have been able to do that if that third would have humbled themselves. So he looks to excite people's pride. He looks to see where we think we're above in other uh, areas. And he tries to feed that. You don't have to listen to those Adventists. You, you grew up in the church. Your dad was a pastor. You know it all. Whatever the case may be. So God is constantly reminding us that we need to be humble. Not to be satisfied with whatever knowledge that we have. But always be looking to better ourselves in his eyes. This is what is going to protect us from being prideful. You know, just because somebody comes in the church doesn't mean that they don't know anything. They may know more than you do, and you grew up in the church because they studied more. But sometimes we just look at, okay, this person was only in the church for a year. They don't know anything yet. And the person who is in the church for 20 years, thinks they know it all. Another situation that I was in, uh, when I first came into the church, I was in the church for maybe three years at this point, and I was appointed as the personal ministry leader. So during one of the board meetings, I had brought up an idea that I felt like I was inspired by God to do, and that was to hold a program for the church for Friday nights. And one of the elders didn't like that. And he just kind of mocked me and ridiculed me in front of the entire board. And after the meeting was over, he came up to me and said, leave the work for those who have experience. You're still a babe in Christ. Now, if that was the thought of the church, why would they have put me in that position to begin with? Why wouldn't that elder speak to me and say, okay, let's work together on this? Humility, the first key. We see examples over and over again of how Christ himself humbled himself before humanity. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. The Son of God himself did not exalt himself. Out of anybody who could have done so, Jesus could have, yet he did not. He did not come in the form of a king or a beautiful man, but he humbled himself to be the lowest of the low. He came as a servant. He was born and raised in a bad neighborhood. He did not want to give any excuse that he had any privilege above anybody. Came from the worst situation and still lived a godly life. Why? Humility. From the day he was born till the day he was crucified, he humbled himself before his father. Not only for himself and his relationship with his father, but also as an example for all of us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let us not lift up ourselves because we know a little bit of information, or we have a little position in society, or we have a little bit of money in the bank. All that is nonsense. The second key, relationship. What does that mean? I've preached about this before, and I talk to people about this a lot. You need to have a relationship with God. It is an absolute necessity. You cannot be a Christian and not have a relationship with God. And that relationship is not just a once-a-week type of relationship or a once-a-month type of relationship. It's every day. Think of it this way. For those of you who are married, before you guys got married, you would talk to each other, right? You would spend time getting to know each other. How was your day? You know, what went on at work? Pretty much, you would just spend time and you'd be interested to know what is going on. Or those of you who have kids, when they come home from school, don't you ask them, how was your day at school? What did you learn today? They usually reply with nothing. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're trying to develop that relationship with the person who you care about. That's how God is with us. You know, He's looking to spend time with us, but we need to make that decision to spend time with him because he's not going to force it. And if you look at the example in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God communed with them every evening in the cool of the day until they sinned. They were face to face until they sinned, and the sin separated them from God. So sin separates us from God now, so we need to put forth more effort to have that relationship. 
You know, thinking about young couples who spend hours on end on the phone just talking about nothing, but they just enjoy talking to each other. They enjoy just hearing the other person's voice. So we need to spend time not only in prayer, but just talking to the Lord. I talk to the Lord during the day. When I'm by myself, when I'm around people, you know, out loud, in my head, I'm just talking to Him. Because I know He's there. I know He's listening. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse, verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If, which is saying, they have a choice. But a lot of people who take on the name of Christ don't know him. All they know is his name. They don't know his character. They don't know anything about him. Because they don't continually try to seek him. You know, when I see uh, new converts studying the Bible, some of them for the first time, they're excited about what they're reading. And they can't get enough. Unfortunately, sometimes that dies out. Over time, they become complacent. They get into a routine and they get stuck in a rut. And they forget their first love. Need to spend time with God. It is absolutely essential. Prayer is essential. That... Prayer and daily devotions are probably the two biggest things that are neglected by Christians. And they're probably the two most important things that we need to be constant with. Prayer is your communication with God. Devotions, you need to learn to feed yourself. You know, after I do Bible studies with people, they have to continue doing those studies on their own. For instance, I'm leaving now. So those who I've started Bible studies with, I can't continue to do studies with them because I'm not going to be here. So they have to continue to put forth the effort every day to do their own studies. They have to learn to feed themselves. And you see this example uh, with children. When a child is small and nursing, the parents have to feed the child. As that child starts to grow up, he learns to take care of himself. Most of them do. Some of them still don't. But for the most part, kids learn to take care of themselves. You know, when they're hungry, they're like, oh, I'm hungry. Maybe I need to go get something to eat. Yet a lot of us are spiritually starving because we're not feeding ourselves with the scriptures. The more time that we spend with God, the more we're going to emulate His character. 
By beholding, you become changed. So if you spend time with worldly people, you're eventually going to start to become like them. Be careful of the company that you keep. The more time you spend with God, the more you're going to act like him. And the more you're going to be like him. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Now, some Bibles use the word charity, but the better translation here is love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing." Love suffereth long, and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not, have, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So what is Paul talking about here? He's saying, you could be the most knowledgeable person about the Bible... You could be the most generous person, you could have the most faith, you could be a martyr, but if you don't have love, all that is nonsense. Because you can do those things with a wrong spirit. The only way you're going to develop that true Christian love is by spending time with Christ. He is the embodiment of love. What we just read, what love is, that is his character. Love suffers long, is kind, it does not envy, it does not vaunt itself, it is not puffed up. That's Jesus. So the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more we're going to be like Jesus. We need that type of love. And the only way we're going to get it is by building that strong relationship with him every day. Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? Every day we have to submit ourselves to God. Every day is a new day. First thing we should do when we wake up 
is give our hearts over to God. Start our day out with that. And like I said, it's a daily relationship. Every day we need to make that choice. Are we going to serve God today? Am I going to spend time with Him? The final key is focus. Focus. This is a big one. In Mark 8.34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The best advice that I was ever given, which I give to anybody who I'm doing studies with or come across in the church, when I first, before I even started coming to the church, my friend told me, he said, Tony, when you go into the church, don't follow the pastor, don't follow the elders, don't follow anybody in the church. Just follow Jesus and the Bible and you're going to be fine. Now, I'm not saying in any ways that there aren't good Christ-like people in the church, but that is not who we should be following. Our total focus should be on Christ from when we come in and when we leave. If our focus is on Jesus, we're not going to worry about what so-and-so is doing. We're not going to worry about you know, the things that are going wrong in the church, we're going to focus on what matters. Now, I'm not saying that some of these issues need to be, that they don't need to be addressed, but if we're following Christ, we'll address it in the way that he would address it. We don't compare ourselves to people in the church. I see this a lot with new believers, you know, they look at somebody who's been in the church for a while, and then they look at themselves and like, well, I'm not there yet. I must be doing something wrong. If only you would have seen me when I first came into the church. Be like, wow, God does work miracles. But the only way we're going to grow is by keeping our focus on Christ. And the other thing, we don't compare ourselves to others thinking that we're better than others in the church. That's not what Christ intended. You know, we don't come into the church and point out everybody else's sins and be like, well, I'm better than this one, I'm better than this one, I'm better than this one. So I must be like maybe up here on the chart. That's not how it works. If we see somebody struggling, we pray for them. If we're struggling, we need to come to the point where we humble ourselves and realize we're struggling and ask for prayer. We ask for deliverance. Philippians 4 and verse 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, 
whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue in and if there be any praise, think on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is talking about your focus. What are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the bad things that's going on? Are you dwelling on the worldly things, the sinful things? That's why a lot of us are still struggling with sin, because we don't put them out of our minds. But Paul here is saying, whatever things are pure or just or praiseworthy, those are the things we need to be focusing on. That is how you overcome. Our minds have to be different. You can't think the way that you thought before. You got to get your mind out of the gutter. You know, um, if Satan comes with a temptation, go to the Bible. Isn't that how Christ overcame? It is written. He didn't get into a big argument with the enemy. We saw what happened with Eve when she tried to talk with the enemy. He's a lot smarter than we are. And when we come to realize that, you know, then we need to, when we realize that, we need to start relying on God for our strength and deliverance. And then he says in verse 9, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he's saying, you saw Christ in me, follow that. Follow that example. Essentially, you're following Christ, but you're following uh, the example that he's giving. Another bad habit that we have is we look up to the leaders in the church or people that we've done studies with because we have a connection with them. You know, so-and-so brought us into the church, we feel close to them, and we start to, I don't want to say idolize them, but it's kind of on that same path where we look to them like they know everything and, you know, they're a real good Christian but the problem with that is, is that once that person sins and messes up, you get destroyed because your focus was not on Christ but on that individual, not realizing that they're a sinful person just like you are, that they have struggles just like you do. So when we keep our focus on Christ, it protects us from being um, disappointed. I'll give you another example. A few years ago, we had a pastor come to our church. There was a group of people who did not like this pastor. And a lot of them were the spiritual leaders inside the church. A lot of people looked up to these people. They knew their Bibles. They knew Ellen White. It appeared that they were really strong, good Christians. But when this pastor came and they didn't get along with him, they left the church. 
And I had to, after one of my Sabbath school classes, I was teaching uh, college and high school, this group of young people came up to me and said, I don't even want to come to church anymore. Look at so-and-so. We looked up to them for so long, and they're not even coming. Another... Um, it's definitely not easy it's not easy not to look up to somebody but we need to keep in mind that they are also sinful beings just as we are you know they are just as much able to stumble and fall as we are they still have choices that they need to make. So we don't look to them as our God, because when they do fall, or if they do leave, then we're going to follow. Our focus is on Christ and Christ alone. He is the only perfect human being that ever walked on the earth. You don't get disappointed with Jesus. Not at all. You can look to him your whole life, never be disappointed. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, Chapter Four. Now, this is Paul's last letters to Timothy, who worked underneath Paul, to encourage him to keep doing what he was uh, taught to do. Starting at verse 1. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be, in se- be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn to fables. But watch thou in all things... Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul makes a very bold point here, saying there's going to come a time where people are not going to want to hear the truth anymore. They're going to turn away their ears to people who are teaching fables. So he's warning Timothy. If you keep your focus On Jesus and the Bible, you're not going to be turned away so easily. But because people lack 
this relationship. They lack this focus. When somebody starts preaching something different that sounds a little interesting, they start following that, and they're led astray. But Paul's telling Timothy, keep doing the work. Keep preaching the truth. And then he says to him, I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. So he's telling him the same thing. I have endured afflictions. You do the same thing. I fought the good fight. I'm ready to be delivered. My name is clear before God. I stayed faithful. And in closing, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. My favorite verse, a verse that I held on to from when I started coming into the church. It's a promise. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Just as much as we hunger after food and we thirst after water, That's how we need to be with righteousness, with following Christ. To have that same type of hunger. And God, Jesus, promised right here, if you're hungering for that, you're going to be filled. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. If you want righteousness, if you want to live that life, you're going to get it. But it's only through following Christ. I did not grow up a Christian. Far from it. It was only by the grace of God that he sought me out and led me to where I am today. And he showed me this verse, this promise. And I held on to that, and I still hold on to that. Because we can't We cannot ever be satisfied with our relationship with God. We need to always crave more. Don't think you get to a certain level and you peak. We are way down here. Christ is way up there. We have a lot of learning to do and a lot of growing to do. And He, by His grace, will help us to do it. So stay faithful no matter what happens. And I promise you, He will take care of you. And the only reason I can promise you that is because He promised us that in His Word. Let's bow our heads. Father in Heaven, we thank You again for every promise You have given us, for every drop of mercy, for Your love and Your patience. Father, I thank You for these people. I thank you for the time that you allowed us to spend together. As I go, Lord, I ask that you may continue the work that you have started here. Bless them more than you have even blessed me. Continue to guide them in everything and help them to be a light in this dark world. I ask that you please protect them from the enemy. Continue to bless them. I ask for your will to be done. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.